the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, senior pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. Good morning to my People's Baptist Church family. We are in the sanctuary or online, and good morning to our guests and friends who join us from week to week. We are delighted to be together for this, the last first Sunday of 2022. God has been good to us, and we can only give him thanks for all that he does for us and all that he means to us. And um, with this in mind, I decided that I would um, pick up the Christmas theme next Sunday, but I wanted to to follow upon what I did last Sunday uh, when I spoke on Remember Who You Are. And this, this um, message today, the title is, You Are of Great Value. Life for millions and perhaps even billions of people on this planet is not a very happy or meaningful experience. We live for only a brief number of years. And now, oh, how we know that. As we think of those that we have lost this year. If we take a high number, it will be around 80, 80 years. Some will go to 90 and even 100, 107 as uh, we heard last, uh, last week when we celebrate uh, Sister Busby's 107th birthday. But in these 80 or 90 years, there are only a few moments that we really live to the full. For most of our lives, we simply exist. We eat and we drink. We go to work, return home. Maybe we read the newspaper watch television, and go to bed. We are promoted. We try to get ahead of this one or that one. We make more money. We have children, and we grow old. All this develops according to formula. Now and then we are grieved, and now and then we are happy, but not very much. We love this one and we hate that one, but not very deeply. We find things pleasant and we find things tedious. We laugh and we weep. Quietly and passively, 
we shuffle along the tedious little road which lies plotted and paved before us. We grow older and we die. A gloomy picture, isn't it? But in spite of this rather gloomy picture of human life, the Bible tells us that if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we are of great value and destined for the very presence of Almighty God. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul paints a marvelous picture of the Christian as God's work of art or God's masterpiece. He begins by describing the life of sin which characterized life apart from God. In Ephesians 2, it is read for us, uh, beginning at verse 2 through 5, Paul says, You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Paul is saying in these verses that we are trophies of God's grace. The question here is, why did God choose to save a sinner like me and a sinner like you? Because he wants us to be trophies of his marvelous grace in Jesus Christ. In spite of what we are now, in spite of our sins and our failures, one of these days God is going to put us on display before the angels as evidence of the power of his grace. God has in mind for us possibilities far greater than anything we can imagine. Quoting from Isaiah 64, Paul says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So what we have already experienced is only a mere trickle of God's grace. It is merely the beginning, the start towards something immeasurable. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 9, Paul says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own effort, but God's gift, so that no one can boast. Paul is saying here that we are Christians entirely and solely as a result of God's grace. So the question is, what is grace? 
A very simple explanation or definition of grace is that it is God's unmerited favor. In other words, we do not deserve what God has done for us. Therefore, we have nothing to boast about. Paul knew what he was talking about because he used to do a great deal of boasting before he became a Christian. There was never a more self-satisfied person or a more self-assured person than Saul of Tarsus, who later became the Apostle Paul. He was proud of himself in every respect, proud of his nationality, proud of the tribe of Benjamin in which he was born, proud of the fact that he was taught by the great teacher Rabbi Gamaliel. He was proud of his religion, proud of his morality, proud of his knowledge. He felt satisfied with himself. But when he became a Christian, he realized that he had nothing at all to boast about, that all the things he was proud of were now like filter rags in the sight of God as far as salvation is concerned. So when we boast, we are saying, I have in myself what it takes to handle life. Nobody contributes to me. I'm sufficient in myself. I am what I am solely because of my own efforts. But that is a lie because we are not self-sufficient. No one is self-sufficient. Each of us is a dependent creature. We cannot live a moment without somebody else's love, somebody else's acceptance, somebody else's understanding. Life would be dull and barren without the relationships that we have in this life. When we forget that we are dependent creatures, we lie to ourselves and boast about what we have accomplished by ourselves. We forget that what we are, we are by the grace of God. And God will never allow such self-deception to stand for long if we do not acknowledge him. He will never allow us to take the glory that belongs to him alone. And he has ways of cutting us down to size. Sometimes God sends affliction so that we might learn our weaknesses. Sometimes he causes us to suffer loss and sorrow so that we might learn how helpless we are. Sometimes he removes us from our positions of um, power or influence so that we might learn we are not indispensable. So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, says the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12. Whatever you are or have achieved, you owe to the grace of God, which opened doors for you, which you could not open yourself, and allowed you to be who you are today and uh, who you will become in the future. So Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul says we are God's handiwork, or another translation says we are God's masterpiece. 
we do not make ourselves Christians. We are not what we are as a result of anything that we have done. We are God's handiwork, his masterpiece. And it is thrilling to think that right now we are being made and fashioned by the great God who created the universe. Oh yes, there are many rough edges that must yet to be sanded down by the Almighty. There are stubborn wills that must be bent in conformity to God's will. There are character defects that must be smoothed out. There are sins yet in our lives that must be dealt with. But Paul is saying that in spite of these flaws and weaknesses, the divine craftsman is at work producing a marvelous masterpiece to, to be put in, on display in the gallery of eternity. God is at work in my life and your life to produce perfect specimens of redeemed humanity so that his wisdom, power, and love can be demonstrated now and in the ages to come. But secondly, we are God's new creation. The most important fact about you, if you're a Christian, is that you are a new creation, a new person. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 17, not on your outline, Paul says, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. See, God the creator has brought something into being in my life and your life that was not there before. That is what makes us Christians. We cannot be uh, what we are apart from the Almighty God and what he does in our lives. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God, God's glory, displayed in the face of of Christ. As I think of my life in this world, I think of it not only in terms of what I'm doing, but in terms of what God is doing in me. That I am in the hands of a great creator who is working in me and upon me. But how does he do this work? He does it through his son, Jesus Christ. We receive the benefits of Christ's death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. We receive the benefits of his life. We receive his divine nature. We are fashioned in his image. That is the model God is using to produce his masterpiece, the image of Jesus Christ that he wants to create us in. As the divine creator works, he uses the scriptures to impress on our minds the truths that we need in order to become what he wants us to be. The preaching of the word of God is a very important instrument in the divine factory where Christians are being made and perfected. 
In Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13, Paul says, Christ chose some of us to be apostles, prophets, missionaries, pastors, and teachers, so his people would learn to serve and his body would grow strong. This will continue until we are united by our faith and by our understanding of the Son of God. Then we will be mature, just as Christ is, and we will be completely like him. Amen. But uh, I want you to note the instruments that God is using to fashion us, to, to perfect us. Apostles, prophets, missionaries, pastors, and teachers. Uh, as Paul is mentioning here, there are certainly other, other things that could come into, into the picture. And I, I just want to, to pick out pastors since this is my role here. But the church needs to understand why God has called pastors. Sometimes people speak of pastors as simply the chief executive of a corporation called the church. But the church is not a business and never should be a business. It is a family. And we function differently in a family from the way we function in a business. Surely the pastor as a leader has administrative duties to perform, meetings to attend, and various other duties in the church and in the community. But the primary function of the pastor is to preach and teach the word of God. He or she is a shepherd, a guide, a spiritual leader, a motivator, an encourager, a facilitator, to the end that the people of God may become mature and perfect in Jesus Christ. The pastor is a person selected by God and trained for a specific purpose, a specific task. In the making of an automobile, each skilled worker has a specific task to perform, and so it is in the church. The deacons are not called and gifted to do the work of the pastor. The trustees, the choir director, and the other officers in the church are not called to do the pastor's job. Whenever there is confusion, or the confusion of roles in the church, then the church cannot function properly. And this is why we have so many conflicts and problems in churches across this land. A lot of people may want to lead and to exercise authority, but that is not God's design for his church. In the divine factory, God has people set aside to do specific tasks in order to bring to pass his great purpose of perfecting us. Not only does God use the preaching of the word to perfect us, but he also uses the chastening rod. Trials and tribulations are used by God to correct us and develop us. As good parents, we discipline our children, not simply to relieve pent-up emotions. We do that because we love them and because it is in our children's best interest to be disciplined. And God, our Father, does the same thing with us. If we will not listen to the teaching of his word, if we will not accept his will for us, if we constantly disobey him, he will not give up on us, so 
Keep that in mind. God will not give up on us, but will produce the ultimate result that he wants by his chastening rod. In writing about the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says that some believers in the church at Corinth were sick and weak simply because of their sin and their refusal to judge and to examine themselves before they take the communion. In producing his perfect masterpiece, God has his method. He has his way of perfecting us to be like his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. But thirdly, God created us for a life of good deeds. Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, God planned for us to do good things and to live as he has always wanted us to live. This is why he sent Christ to make us what we are. God has not saved us simply to sit back and do nothing or to watch other people do the work that he wants them to do. We are saved from sin and brought into the family of God to do good works, works of kindness, works of compassion, works of mercy, helping one another and meeting another's needs, one another's needs. God has an assignment for each of us. He prepared our assignment long before we trusted Christ as our Savior. He gives each of us spiritual gifts when we become believers so that we can carry out our assignment. To some, he has given the gift of music, which we have heard today already, which blesses our souls so much and allow our worship to be to be such an inspiration. To others, he gives the gift of teaching so that uh, we can teach children and adults about him. And that is going on today, even though it is being done virtually through, through Zoom. To others, he has given the gift of hospitality, the gift of leadership, the gift of administration, the gift of serving, the gift of giving, the gift of faith, the gift of intercession, and so on. The point is that God saved us and made us members of his divine family for a purpose that is to do good deeds so that people might see our good work and glorify our Father in heaven, not us. We are just instruments. But when they see what, what we do for others, they will give God glory. And that is what we want. We don't want to take any of the glory that belongs to God. We are simply instruments that he uses. And that's a part of his plan for us. And good deeds include helping the helpless, comforting the lonely, visiting the incarcerated, helping the aged, caring for the dying, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, Assisting the poor, praying for the lost, ministering to the sick, and comforting the bereaved. These are all things People's Baptist Church members have been doing here in the city of Boston for the past 217 years. And by God's grace, we will continue it until he comes again. 
We are God's masterpiece that he is perfecting in Jesus Christ. And when Christ is finished with us, we will be perfect like him. Now, Jude 24 and 25, we don't often read the book of Jude, um, but uh, Jude says, Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him, who alone is God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. So Jesus Christ, one of these days will present us faultless before his Father and the angelic hosts in heaven will marvel at the power of God's grace that could take miserable sinners like, like us and make us into perfect saints fit for God's eternal presence. The thought of what God is presently doing in our lives ought to make our duties more delightful, our hearts more tender, our words kinder, our conflicts fewer, our joys fuller, our attitudes better, and our commitment deeper. By and by, when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home, we will tell the story how we have overcome, for we'll understand it better by and by. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.